Our scripture reading for this morning comes from John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It is not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seen. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. All right. Uh, hey, everyone. Good morning. Good to see you all. My name is Dave. Um, I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and it's uh, it's good to be here with you all this uh, this morning um, together. I was going to give a little nod. I see it's kind of filled in a bit more, but every so often we have a number of different um, college groups here. Um, uh, I don't want to try to name them all, but I know one of them is uh, is not here right now. So. When that happens, older people, or if you're not in a group, that's your opportunity to swoop, all right? To move up, move into their spot. This front area usually is filled with a bunch of college students, so slip wide in there. Um, you know, when one of these groups is out of town for a conference or something. Um, also, I just want to give you all a, a heads up. If, if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, I have a cutter, so it'll kind of come in and out as, uh, as I go, and I just want to make sure that you all know what that, that is, and, um, so you're not trying to fit, figure it out, and, um, uh, and, you know, anything like that. Um, so go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John 9, okay, that's where we are, and I'm going to say a couple things, um, again, as we turn there, as we get prepared to get into it, so we're in John chapter 9, we're going to be covering the whole chapter, so we get a lot of work cut out for us, and, um, and so we're going to get into it pretty quickly. So if you don't have a copy of God's Word with you, though, and, you, and, and let me just say, um, you need one, okay? You need it throughout this whole series. I strongly encourage you to hold up your hand, and if you don't own a Bible, keep this, okay? It's our gift to you. So again, if you need a Bible, please raise your hand and hold it up and keep it up, and uh, we'll get you a copy of God's Word. And this one, you'll see Pierre la so again, if you keep this, okay, it's our gift to you. And I don't just do that when we sing songs in Spanish, okay? That's every week here. I work hard to memorize that. Um, I actually used to be the best Spanish speaker in my home, now I'm the worst. Um, I might have our picture will be for like a couple more months. But um, So this week, just for me, I was kind of thinking about this a lot. It's been a little bit of a herky-jerky kind of week for me, uh, a lot of ups and downs. Um, I, uh, uh, you know, last Sunday, if you were here, was an incredibly celebratory and fun Sunday. We got to baptize. Um, I don't know, five or six people and, and, and got to celebrate and participate and, and be, you know, people up here in the kind of class zone, I heard somebody refer to it, you know, right up here, we gather around and we celebrate. And I think I shared, I was, um, I was driving 
on early Monday morning to San Diego to officiate my grandmother's funeral, who's 95 um, years old, and she passed away. Well, Sunday night, I learned about um, Pastor Tom Schrader, who, um, again, David said earlier, just an incredible godly guy and, and just a, a, a generous guy. Here he he had led thousands and preached to thousands, and he came here and preached when we were, like, in the tents, you know, and he just came right down here in the front row, it's like a music stand, and just, and was so, so kind, he did it, we talked about, yeah, nothing to prove, and no, nobody to impress, that was, Tom lived that through and through, and so, I drove back from officiating my grandmother's funeral on Tuesday, um, uh, and, and my family's just in a weird spot, there were some real highs and some celebrations, but probably like many of us here, some also real brokenness, and, um, and you know, walking through love, right, we're in this series, Love Walked Among Us, and um, one of my uh, family members, actually two of my family members just kind of fell off the womb wagon again, if you know those terms, and got back into drugs, and it was just evidence there, and, and even as I as I led through the good news of Jesus, and, the, and I got to share the good gospel with my family, there were just dynamics that I was all too aware of. Um, so A, like a good pastor does, I stuffed all my emotions deeply down. There, no. um, but I just, I did kind of pray through, and that wasn't necessarily the safest place, so it might all just come out this morning. So just a heads up, all right? Don't let my eye there. Um, as you guys know, I have no control over my emotions. They just come out of the blue, and I'm just like, all right, uncle, I'll just, I'll just let, let it go. But then, so I, I got to drive all night on Tuesday to go, um, uh, to, because I wanted to be there as we celebrated and remembered this godly man's life uh, with other redemption pastors and, and, and folks. And, and it was just incredible. It blessed me and ministered to me to, to be among God's people remembering a life invested well. And so I, as we are in this series, and even as we look at this chapter together, John chapter 9 in particular, there we'll see somewhat of a contrast of love, right? We'll see the, the perfect, present, pursuing, healing love of Jesus on display. And then starkly contrasted by even his own followers, as well as the Pharisees, we see a different kind of love. We see um, where, where, where some interrogate and, and, and critique, and then others just straight up judge. And then there's this there's this this contrast. And so again, you, you see there what well, we'll see first Jesus healing, and then we'll see his disciples critiquing, and then the Pharisees judging, and then again contrasted kind of on the end of it, Jesus pursuing. And and, and so again, I, I this week even experienced kind of a just a contrast in in life, faith, and faithlessness, and, and, and that's probably true for many of us. And my prayer is that as we get into this together, we will, on the one hand, see Jesus' love rise above all others. And if you're not a follower of Christ, I, I pray that you would see his, his character, his heart, his radical pursuing love for you on display. And then from there, that all of us would see that and then respond to that and be able to, to understand what it looks like to live his kind of love out in a broken world that we just got to hear about from Dr. J, as my family likes to affectionately call uh, Dr. Johansson. 
And um, so with that, let's go ahead and, and uh, pray together. Okay, and ask the Spirit to oversee our time pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your, your word. Thank you for this time we've had this morning to, to kind of slow down to, um, or to hear uh, from a, a doctor, a pediatrician, and who, who, who was able to so um, eloquently share the, what, is, what it means to be created in your image and then to live in a broken world and then to participate in your redeeming, restorative work. And, um, Lord, even now, as we get into this time together, I, I do pray that, that through your Spirit, you will lead us to see your love for us and then directly connected with that, Lord, that we will be compelled to, to, to love well and to be sent as your followers, uh, Lord, to carry out your good news, your gospel. So it's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, let's pick right up in John 9. And, and I'm not going to read or preach necessarily through every verse. Okay, we got about 41. And, um, and, but, but we are going to uh, cover the big, the big ideas here. So picking up in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was, not this, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Okay, the, 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 the uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, the fifth and sixth word there. We just could so easily skip right past, right? We've talked about what's helpful is walking through this series, Love Walk Among Us, with, with this author, Paul Miller, who took like decades of years to really study the person of Jesus. We get, um, we get some reminders of things that we would so easily walk past. And one of them is, is how often Jesus sees. And especially contrasted with, with others, even his closest followers. And we'll get to them in a minute, but how, how much we miss, right, in our everyday life. There, um, at my grandmother's funeral, I walked in first because I was kind of the officiant and the grandson. I was, and my family didn't know what to do. So, there, so I kind of was also like the funeral planner, if that's a thing. I don't know. Wedding planner, maybe I'll, I'll kind of... I would go into a side hustle. Um, but, but so I was kind of planning this whole thing, right? Coming up with music and all this. Well, I missed so much. And I could be dense, maybe, but I walked up and it's like, oh, those flowers. I didn't even notice there were flowers. And someone was like, oh, I noticed the dress that she had on. And I was like, I didn't even notice the dress. And how much I missed, right? That's my grandma, right? That's someone I loved and was, was kind of there engaged But how much more of just the world around us do we miss? Yet Jesus, as you read through the Gospels, he sees. And he doesn't just see details, although he does, he sees people. So in this moment, right, picture with me, they're going on, right, we just saw last week all these different things that Jesus has been experiencing, these, these radical, miraculous experiences, right, and you're going on, and yet he doesn't miss the little people or the little places. He's walking by, and he sees this man. And, and just, you know, picture this moment with him, right? He, there's, a, there's, a, there's a 
validating humanizing interaction in relationship because Jesus sees this man and he looks at him and we don't know what he said or did first because it goes right to what his disciples said and did but Jesus sees and then we'll see later on he acts right we saw that last week because he has compassion and he intimately cares for this guy and he heals him right and it's all admit it's a little gross even as you read down he spits in mud like spits gross all right i'm the youngest of uh, four boys i didn't plan on saying this some of you younger i met a couple boys earlier this morning three boys and their family and man my one of my older brothers would hold me down and do the whole like spin dangle thing over my face right i got issues it is something you have to wonder why i'm such an angry Napoleon kind of character. That's part of it. But it's, it's gross, and yet there's something intimate and personal in this. As Jesus spits in the mud, even, even reflective, right, of God's creation. If you know the beginning of the story in Genesis, when God forms man out of the clay, intimately with his hands, you see that kind of care and intimacy and concern and love here with Jesus healing this man. But then look fairly quickly there in verse 2. We see a, a contrast with his disciples. They're more of a, in a critiquing posture. Look, it says there in verse 2, And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Then go straight to evaluating, interrogating, critiquing. And I think it's something that Paul Miller points out that, again, I said, yeah, I would have missed often here, is they don't talk with the guy at all. They, they're standing there, and Jesus sees him, right? He's the one that stops. And then these guys probably just trying to make sense of what to say, or I don't know, they're, they're kind of short on conversation. They're just like, hey, uh, let's kind of talk about this guy. Let's evaluate what's wrong in the world around us. Let's interrogate and not engage the person. Right, and so they're talking about this guy as if he's not even there. I got to read in um, an article actually this morning that it was written by a man who was blind, and he talked about the the church and how often we miss and kind of get wrong walking alongside people with various disabilities and, and just don't know what to do. We don't recognize our need to be in community with all of God's people. And, 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 and just kind of, it's uncomfortable. Right? My older brother doesn't have any arms. And um, he's gifted. I won't go off on all the stuff he does. He changed my diapers, right? So and he, he's a lot older than me. And he, he drove, drives a car and plays all this stuff. And yet so often, I just had a little lunch with him last week. I mean, people, like, just will ask someone else what he wants to eat, right? Like, as if he can't order for himself. Like, I don't have arms. I have a mouth. Like, I can, I can, I'm old now. I think he's almost 50. So really old right now. Huh? And, and he's like, I can, I can do this stuff. And for myself, with the speaking credit, I've been asked just silly questions. You know, and it's okay. But um, it's some, some, you know, people are like, oh, is your mind? Do you, when, you, when you read, do you read super slow, too? It's like, yeah, but not because of my stutter. It's
trying to discern and dissect and explain everything rather than relating and engaging. In fact, here's something that Paul Miller says about this, uh, something that he shared. Analyzing, which is what they're doing, provides the disciples with a safe and tidy world that keeps everything in its place. So they talk about the blind man while they are right in front of him. But Jesus moves toward him, makes mud, and touches his eyes. Jesus lowers himself in order to care, while the disciples elevate themselves in order to judge. It's safe. It's neat. It's tidy. It's easy to, to be, and I'll just say too, they probably fancy themselves as being woke. Right? If you guys know that term, if you don't, you're not woke. And some of us, even if we do know that term, we're still not. But they probably fancy themselves as like caring for the marginalized and the broken and the overlooked. And yet, yet in, in, when push comes to shove, when the rubber meets the road, they're like, I don't know what to do with this right now. Um, I, I'm going to talk about this person and not relate with him. It's, and, and maybe if I talk about it, I'll probably be able to do a great blog one day. And I could probably post on Facebook about how much I get you know, the, the broken state. And that's a little bit of kind of conjecture there, but, but, but they're definitely overlooking. I think the author, John, is clearly making us see that, that, that they miss the man in front of them. And they start talking about all the reasons for it. And, 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 and what came to mind for me, right, a phrase that we use here often is we're all going to be uncomfortable. We can take comfort. Okay, hear me on this. You can be comfortable knowing we're all going to be uncomfortable together. Right? That's a phrase from the very first sermon we ever preached. It was on um, it was on this other passage that was uncomfortable and he said, hey, I know this is going to be uncomfortable and as a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, he calls us to take up our cross and follow him. We better get used to being uncomfortable sometimes, right? If he's growing us through the spirit in Christ's likeness, it's not all going to be easy, right? And so um, and, and so, so, we see here this 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 this, this Reality of, of, of brokenness and just observing and analyzing. What came to mind for me is um, some, right, we talk about the right and the left, right, kind of politics wise, and, 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 and Jesus is somewhere in, in neither place, all right? He doesn't camp out on the right. And, you know, that's just not, if you read the Gospels, I guarantee you, you don't see that. We walk through five points. Right, a couple of uh, like last month or something, where you saw that the right would be like yes, yes, and then like the last two, they'd be like, when do I have to talk about those? And then the left would be like yes, yes, and then the first one's in there, thing, and then the middle one was love your neighbor and be generous toward your neighbor, and it's like well, no one does that, right? And so something though I see just to call it out because this is kind of the world that I live in, where our kids go to school and there's people we relate with in my own family. It's kind of like granola, you know, maybe leans a little left, if you will, and, and again, would, 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 would fancy themselves as being woke. And our church, right, um, might even think of ourselves that. It's like, oh, we talk about social justice, and we do these things, but we also talk about the cross and blood and, and death and sin and the need to, you know, and hell and the need to trust Jesus and, you know, well, the social justice side, let me just say, I think we see something here that we need to be aware of and even worried about. If our concern 
never shows up in real relationship, then we're just like these disciples that are talking about people while we're overlooking them. If we're talking about homelessness and racism and our heart for single parents and for foster care and adoption and all these things that we pray about and yet we don't know how to be in relationship with it. It's too uncomfortable to have our kids in children's ministry in proximity to, to kids that are raised in a single home, right? And that we're like me, you know, and, uh, and, and Dr. J apparently too, right? We're in this together. Like, they were kind of grew up in homes and, and, and then, then, then we should be, we, we need to stop and consider and come before the Lord and say, God, where am I inconsistent? What, what, and now this isn't to, to, to downplay Facebook awareness or, you know, sharing articles or blogs or things like that. But at the same time, again, if that's where our compassion and love stops and it never translates into real flesh and blood, uncomfortable relationship, then it's not a Christ-like love. Amen? Amen. And then it kind of gets worse and we see, well, I don't know if it's worse, it just gets... It, it gets uglier. As the Pharisees now, we get a picture into their version of love. So pick up with me here as we see that the Pharisees judge, right? The, Jesus heals. He moves toward. His disciples um, critique, and then the Pharisees judge. So pick up here in verse 13 now. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So they, I skipped over the part of the community, kind of the townspeople, right? If you ever watch like a, a, a play or something, there's always the townspeople. I love the townspeople in this. And um, what is that? In verses 8 through 12, it's, it's pretty funny. I just, they're like, Hey, is this the guy born blind? And we're like the audience. We're like, yes, it is. And then some people I love, because we all know these people who are like trying to act, think they know, and even they don't want to get caught in their foolishness, so they kind of keep it going. They're like, no, 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 that isn't him. But, but I mean, it looks like him. And you're like, it is him. Like, and he's there the whole time. He's like, it's me. Like, it's me. Like, no, but he looks a lot like the guy. You're right. And he's like, it's him. Right? And so anyway, so they're confused, so they take him to the... Pharisees, the religious authorities of the time, to basically to get their signing off on who this guy is and how to make sense of it all, what Jesus has just has just done. So they interrogate the man in this section and they ask him, they say, Hey, what what happened to you? What you know, and they and they keep going back to sin. Right? Just like his disciples did, they want to know, well, who sinned? Whose fault is this? How can we make sense of it all right there and not, not relate with Jesus and what he's doing about sin presently? And so they're just they're, they're talking up here and out here. And the, his disciples did that, and the Pharisees do the same thing. They're just, they're just going off on, well, what's the reason? How did we get here? And I heard it said this, that, um, that, that, that the, the Pharisees and the disciples asked, how did sin get us here? But Jesus is more concerned with how does redemption get us out? Hear me now. It's important to know how we got here. 
Alright, we talk about it most Sundays that we have all like sheep gone astray, each one to his own way. That God created us in his perfect image to know him and follow him and to bear him. And we all said, thanks but no thanks. We all said, I want to do it my way. We all said, I want to be God. I don't want you to be God. That's individually and corporately, right? We confess our sins each week and as a church, right? So sin, it's important to know how we got here. But again, another maybe little word of warning that we should probably take to heart is a you know, conservative, young, reformed church is, it's a little more comfortable for us to kind of stay just in the, in the realm of how did sin get us here? And, and not, not live out, well, how does, what's the good news? How does, how does redemption get us out of here? How does, how does Jesus now, it, it, it now call us to love our neighbor as ourselves? So I have a chart here for us to, to kind of see, again, juxtaposed or contrasted what judging versus compassion looks like. Judging is quick, whereas compassion is slow. Or even you can say knee-jerk, right? James 1.19, be slow to speak and quick to listen, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. So first we go around in our house and most of the time they come bouncing back toward me all the time. I'm slow to speak, quick to listen, quick to understand. Judging puts yourself above others, whereas compassion puts you next to people. Judging has a lot of talking. Compassion is quiet and listens. Judging is obsessed with self. And compassion looks like not thinking about self. Judging is dogmatic, but compassion is understanding. Again, I, I almost hate the fact that I have to do this, but I do want to do this. Does this mean, then, that we jump on the other side of the Peter Potter and we all put coexist stickers on our car and just never have any kind of strong statements about anything? Well, no, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean it's just, hey, don't ever call in and I don't want, want to be judgy, right? I don't, want to, I don't want to say anything's wrong. I don't want to stand on truth and say there's such a thing as truth and such a thing as, as, as lies and wrong and falsehood. But it means a, a, a posture of understanding, okay? So it means, yes, where, where uh, appropriate and where there's time, we, we, we call out sin. But we do it clearly in such a way that, again, is centered upon the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And we understand that it should flow off our lips. If not, or if but for the grace of God, so would I go. That we're never in an ivory tower. There's never a place of, of up here looking down and saying, how could they do that? Whatever it is. But it should always be. But right after we had triplets. We were like, oh my goodness, Lord, sorry we ever judged anything we ever saw on the news or anything parents did or anything like that. Like, man alive, Lord, Maranatha, Jesus, come save us. You know, I, it was, it's humbling, right? And, and, and we were probably so proud God had to throw crazy triplets at us to break us in that way. But, man, it's like if it just rolls off our tongue and we're so arrogant and we would never do X, Y, and Z, like, slow down. Hey, like recognize it. And so that's what this means. Compassion means by God's grace, he has dealt with my sin. And it is sin, and it needs to be called out. Okay, but it's also then followed up with, hey, have you heard about God's grace towards you? And then 
there's a brief interrogation with his parents in verse 18 through 23. Again, they're kind of like the townspeople. people. I won't go too much into them. But I think similarly, um, we see some lessons with them. It's like they don't want to own up to responsibility. They don't want to maybe make a, a defense for their faith. Right? They're, they're afraid of what others will think. They're afraid of making a stance on what they've experienced and seen in, in Jesus. I don't know, go ask him. He's of age. And just, you know, again, here quickly, see in verse 22, um, it says this. His parents said these things, right? They kind of skirted around the issue, around the truth. For the Jews had all already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be basically excommunicated from culture, from community, from relationship. And he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, they kind of, they wanted to pass the buck. So on the one hand, right, we need to take note of how, what a cost it is, again, to follow Jesus. Sometimes the Christian evangelical church goes out of our way to make things hard, right, to create, like, culture wars and things like that. But at the same time, we need to, we don't need to create new stumbling blocks, okay? The, the cross is a stumbling block, okay? Saying God had to die because you deserve to die, because your sin is so wretched and despicable, just like mine, that he came and died on a cross and then rose from the dead for your sin. That's offensive. Okay, and that's going to be offensive, and we need to understand that. And in some cases, like his parents here, we're not willing to share that truth. But, but on, the, on the flip side, um, we also need to be aware of, of the agenda that the Pharisees had, that they created such a, such a culture and their religious gathering that there was there was fear there was dishonesty there was hypocrisy they had an agenda and even god's miraculous work in front of them wasn't enough to 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 keep them um in, in, in walking with him but instead they said well no that goes against our agenda and then they call him back for a second time they interrogate this man in john 9 24 through 25. For the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered whether he is a sinner. And then he answered, right? The, now, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. So this guy's getting frustrated. They call him back in to get interrogate, you interrogate, critique, evaluate, all this stuff. Let's just notice, too. What is missing massively from every interaction with and about this guy? I don't know what I shared. I, yeah, Jesus. And how about like, congratulations. <laughs> High five. Dude, you see. Like, that's amazing. Like, let's go, let's go to the drive-in. That, you know, let's, like, I don't know. For me, if my stutter was all of a sudden healed, and everyone's evaluating and critiquing. I hope you guys, let's do a rap battle right now. Like, yes, finally. Um, hip hop that's planned. There's this, you know, force. Like, like again, we miss this stuff when we read because it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's ridiculous that no one has congratulated this guy. Even his parents, as far as we know. Right? It's just sad. And they just continue to evaluate, and they call him, and they say, hey, and, and, and they kind of intimidate him. They're even like, hey, this guy's a sinner, right? And the guy's like, I don't know. I, I was blind, but now I see. That's a testimony. If you wonder how to share your faith, it's a good place to start. Let me tell you about where I was 
And let me tell you about God's love that I've experienced. And then let me just share about what that's looked like. That's what he does. And then they go on. He starts to get frustrated, and I love it. Verse 27, right? They keep on pressing, and they're like, hey, well, come on. What about this? What about this? He's like, look, I've already told you, and you wouldn't listen. Why? Do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to be his disciples? <laughs> and they're like, oh, no, you didn't, right? They get, they, that gets under their skin, and they get fired up, and, um, and they basically then call, they say in verse 34, I'll just skip ahead to that, they say, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Okay, the, the question the disciples asked earlier in verse 2, these Pharisees ironically answered now in verse 34. Right? When their, their process didn't get followed, they just took these, they, well, I guess he was the one who sinned. Right? Sometimes, again, it sounds horrible that we would ever do this, but when we experience brokenness, Sometimes we, we get so stuck on interrogating and evaluating and critiquing that we can't just stop and acknowledge the world's not the way it's supposed to be. I'm sorry. Extend empathy. Come and sit next to someone. Pray with them. Pray for them. Love them. And in this case, they turn it on this God. Well, I guess you're the one. You're born in utter sin, clearly. You're cast out. And now as we transition and kind of begin to land the plane, though, see the contrast with how Jesus... Jesus relates and how these Pharisees relate. First of all, as we've read through this, time and time again, the Pharisees called people to themselves. They sat there, I like to just picture them like with like a rebel and a bag of burritos or whatever in their hands and make, right? It's like the the dad, okay, first off, you're a dad, let's not be this kind of dad. If we have this dad, we all know what I'm talking about here, right? Just like, come in! You know, it's kind of shouting from afar. Come in here! Like, come before my throne! With, you know, the pretty pathetic throne, right? Chips all over our stomachs. And I knew a guy who literally would get a napkin, which obviously bleeds through, and would pour ketchup on the napkin on his belly and just dip the french fries on his belly. The pretty pathetic throne some of us aspire to and hold on to, right? It's just... Better to be like Jesus and die to self. Right? A little more glorious. Um, so these guys call everyone to themselves. And yet look in verse 35 here what Jesus' love and power looks like. These guys kicked him out. First of all, he's been ostracized his whole life. He's never had a seat at the table. He's been sitting there begging outside of the synagogue his entire life. And yet they're version of power is so pathetic. They're like, you're out! It's like, I was never in. Like, nothing new here, guys. Right? Their power is so fragile and weak. And yet, in contrast, Jesus, we've seen, he has this authority, this power. And what does he do with it? He pursues. Pick up in verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe the Son of Man? And he goes on, and there's this beautiful exchange that the man who was healed says, well, I don't know, who is the Son of Man? And then Jesus, like he does, says in this kind of creative way, well, he who is talking to you is the one. And, you know, wait, what? So who's he? Who is he again? Right? But no, he, um, he sees and he responds in faith, and there's this beautiful picture of this guy putting his trust in Christ and becoming a follower of Jesus, a disciple. 
And yet it's not because he was so smart, right? He was a little, little bit slow on the uptake, probably like many of us, right? He didn't. God's doing a work, and you're like, God, if you just show me a sign, right? And he's like, I, I'll let me name them for you, right? But he's patient. It always starts with God pursuing. Right? We've talked about this before, and our, our theological convictions, if we could get into all this kind of debate and all this stuff, but it really should hopefully start and end with the incredible pursuing love of God. Calling broken, sinful people to himself. That's where faith begins. That's the, the cornerstone, the center of a, of a relationship with Jesus. And that's what he does in this guy's place. And there's other places in scripture, in John chapter 10, where Jesus is the good shepherd. And he talks about going out and pursuing his sheep that have wandered and gone astray. And he talks about um, in, in Philippians 2, how though he had all the power and all the authority, he gave it up and descended and, 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 and humbled himself. Right? Entering into our brokenness, into our mess. So what does Jesus do with his authority? He pursues. So I just want us to consider, first and foremost, how do we respond to Jesus? Are we going to be like the Pharisees who who judge, who have our theology so figured out that there's no room for humility, and often case there's no room for, for worship and celebration in, in the redemptive work of Jesus because we're so caught up on, 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 the, on the, the brokenness and the sin that we're coming from, and that's how we relate with others, that drives how we relate with others again. Let's just contrast that with Jesus. So even in our relationship with him, do we have a pharisaical, religious, legalistic view? Or can we just respond like this blind man? I don't know. I was blind, but now I see. In contrast, throughout this whole passage, the Pharisees don't recognize that they're blind. And yet... Throughout the passage, they get more and more blind. They get more confused, right? They 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 get they get more. They 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 push Jesus further away. Yet this blind man is simply in a place of saying, "Listen, this is where I was." He knows he was blind, spiritually and physically. He says, "I don't know." God has stepped in and He's done the work. And let me just say too, I didn't really plan on this, but we've talked a little bit about dude disabilities and things like that. I just want to acknowledge, I prayed, my wife and I did one time for a couple months, we had friends join in us, pray that my speech impediment would go away. My older brother kind of tells a joking story of praying with a televangelist on TVN with his like foot on the screen, like, I believe, I believe, and just, and let me say, dude, God can do whatever he wants, all right? We're not a traditional cessationist church that just says, oh no, God fits in this box, and he doesn't do this, and only does this, and he can do whatever he wants. But often, it's not the way we would have him knocked out. In hindsight, I can often see reasons why God didn't take my speech to have been away. But that doesn't stop me from hoping he will one day. But again, how do we relate with one another in this? With people within our congregation who have disabilities or brokenness in their lives in different ways. Again, it means we love. We have compassion. We're present. We're in community. Right? We see, we smell, we hear, we experience. 
the good, the bad, the uh, ugly, the hard. And then finally from there we respond to Jesus' love toward us. And then what does that look like translated into how we live our lives? I pray that we would have a love like Jesus that's present, that's compassionate, that pursues, that doesn't just repeat and judge, but that enters in. So with that, let's now pray. Let's pray in response. And then let's also pray for his work to create us individually and communally as a congregation who radically lives out this kind of beautiful love of Jesus. Again, Heavenly Father, thank you for your work. Thank you, Jesus, that you see us. So I pray first and foremost that anyone in here who perhaps is depre- has depression or anxiety or Lord, feels alone, feels overlooked, whatever the socioeconomics tax bracket, whatever, Lord, we know that brokenness has no, no division there, Lord, that we all can feel alone. And Lord, we all can feel alone. We all can feel hurt and desperate. Lord, I pray that we would, through your spirit, experience your, you seeing us, you acting, you moving toward us, you loving us. Lord, I pray we would respond in faith and hope and trust. And then, Lord, from there, finally we pray, Lord, that as a church, we would not be blind. Lord, I pray we would not be like the disciples. We don't look down our nose at them at all because we know it's us Lord I know even this week I have uh, I have been too busy it's been too inconvenient too painful too difficult whatever to stop and to see and to move toward and then Lord we thank you that you don't condemn us but you convict us Lord I pray that where need be we would be convicted and I pray that you would you would Lord use us as a church form us as a community of people Lord, who see brokenness and who enter in and live alongside. Not just because we have something to give, but Lord, because we need We need to be in community with real people from all walks of life. Lord, all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.